Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Your next storyteller calls herself a whiskey-soaked ghost story who's developing a cough. We call her one of our all-time favorites. This is Kelly Attaway. Kelly shared this story on August 21st, 2019. The theme of the evening was transplant. I have this friend who absolutely hates that I'm single. She used to ask if she could set me up until I told her I would never accept the offer. Nothing to do with her or the other person. It's just the structure of the date is abhorrent to me. If I'm going to interview a stranger, they should at least have to send a cover letter first. She teased that fine, she'd approach it by inviting me to drinks, and then when I got there, introducing me to whoever she was setting me up with before faking an excuse to leave early. So back in June, she invited me to drinks, and then when I got there, she introduced me to someone from our company's Oakland office, visiting for a few days, and then, oh no, her wife needed her at home to help with the kids, and that's how I got tricked into spending the evening with a guy named Greg. (laughs) Regrettably, we hit it off. (laughs) My therapist had recently suggested I try dating casually to practice opening up to people, and a self-described hopeless romantic proved to be an easy trial run. He wanted to go deep in conversation, and since he was only going to be here for a a week, I could tell him whatever and trust that in a few days he'd carry those memories 1,200 miles away and throw them into the Pacific, probably. I don't know, not my problem once he was on the other side of the Rockies. He could be an experiment, so I put on my lab coat and gave it a shot, quelling my natural impulses to dodge questions with jokes and instead giving frank honesty a whirl. A few hours and a few drinks later, he asked if he could kiss me, which makes him the second guy in recent memory to ask politely. I think I'm rebranding to liking gentlemen. Can you imagine? (laughs) Anyway, we went home together. When my therapist suggested opening up, I don't think she meant my legs specifically, but you can't say I didn't follow the letter of the law. Since it was late June and uh, my thousand-year-old house doesn't have AC, I had all the windows open, desperately trying to coax in a breeze. I hardly slept. I tossed and turned, thinking about home invaders. Is there a metaphor here related to letting a stranger in on my thoughts and or feelings? I refuse to confront it. And in between little snatches of sleep, I convinced myself someone had broken into my second-story apartment from the balcony, had climbed in through an open window, and was right now standing in my living room, leafing through my belongings. I could hear them. I'd remind myself that if it was a person, I would be able to hear the floors creaking. And anyway, if this guy was going to murder you, he would have done already. And wouldn't you rather die in your sleep anyway? Close your eyes, lunatic. The next day, I wouldn't say I was dwelling on it, but I did keep thinking I could hear someone in the living room. I chalked it up to a poor night of sleep and maybe a weird response to personal growth, like maybe being vulnerable with somebody feels like an intruder creeping around your home and all you weirdos who like it need to get emotional ADT installed. I got out of the house for the day, and by the time I got back that evening, I'd all but forgotten any uneasy feelings. Until I saw something out of the corner of my eye in the hallway. A moth, maybe. I ignored it. But when I saw it again, I got up to investigate and was confronted not with a moth, and not with an imaginary manifestation of my aversion to emotional intimacy, but with a giant, foreboding, swooping bat. A wingspan of six, maybe seven feet, fangs positively dripping with a milky mixture of blood and saliva, or at least that's how I remember it. (laughs) Friends, I am ashamed to admit I hid in the closet from its erratic flight path. I flung open the back door first, hoping it would find its hideous way out while I cowered behind the door. I steeled myself and did the only logical thing I could think to do. 
I texted each of my friends who is a dad because dads know how to deal with stuff like this, right? (laughs) My favorite response was, lol, which I received a full 24 hours later. (laughs) One of them suggested calling animal control, which was absolutely the right answer and I should have done it straight away, but surely I could solve this on my own. I am, after all, despite all the evidence to the contrary, a strong and fearless woman. I just told another living human being intimate details of my interior life. Surely I can deal with a measly bat. After a long and embittered battle with lots of dodging and weaving on both sides, I had no choice but to lay down my weapons and forfeit. Geographically, Greg was closest. I texted him seeking aid or shelter. My opening line was, this is going to sound fake. And despite that, and the fact it was nearly midnight and actively raining, he walked over to help me wholly unsuccessfully for the record like he looked at the bat now resting on my gallery wall beneath my hail satan banner which admittedly was pretty metal (laughs) before suggesting i stay at his house for the night i can't bear to inconvenience animal control in the middle of the night but the kind product manager from work who was supposed to be a one-night stand and who already knows too much might as well What happened that night is none of your business, pervs, but we did agree that the bat was probably the intruder I kept hearing the night before. We were so careful about condoms, but turns out windows are the real threat. That wretched nightmare beast flapping its terrible leathery wings amongst my plants and books and fake skulls, how dare it? I went home the next morning determined to confront the terrorist. Sure, it had the upper hand at night, but now it's daytime, motherfucker, let's do this. Instead, I panicked the minute I saw it and hid in my bedroom, which in retrospect I could have done the night before instead of crawling Greg. Did I think it was going to learn how to pick a lock while I slept, (laughs) shimmy in through the crack under the door? I called my landlady and she told me that she wouldn't be calling animal control because they would probably kill the bat and that she had in fact installed a bat house across the street, which feels like something you disclose to your tenants. Instead, she'd send over the handyman when he woke up. First of all, girl, the handyman is sleeping over? Look at us, just a couple of modern women. (laughs) Second of all, my dude didn't wake up for two more hours. When he and his waist-length, entirely gray ponytail showed up armed with nothing more than a kitchen towel, I could tell straight away that this man was truly and completely in love with the bat. He tenderly covered it with the kitchen towel and whispered sweet nothings into its ear until it could be pried up, getting its death grip off my wall and transplanting it to the balcony. But at that point, the bat didn't fly away. Instead, it menacingly extended its disgusting skeletal arms, pressing itself flat on the ground and baring its teeth, a sight that will haunt me until the day I die. I went to the bar to calm my nerves. About halfway through my first beer, Greg texts me. Bad news. I called the state public health office and they say we could have been exposed to rabies. I'm heading to the ER soon to get the vaccine if you want to come with. (laughs) Apparently, a bat's teeth are so tiny and sharp that they can bite you in your sleep without you necessarily feeling it. And the teeny, staple-like puncture closes up within a few hours so you might never find the wound. So if you wake up with a bat in your house, you have to capture it and have animal control test it for rabies. If instead you let a 60-year-old woman bully you into letting it free, you gotta go straight to the ER. Greg said he'd pick me up in an hour that we could make a date of it. As we walked into the waiting room, he leaned in and asked, do we tell them we're bat people or rabies people? 
We were checked in before I could answer and taken to separate examination rooms. Up the hall, I could hear one frantic side of a conversation. Sir, you can't use that for cleaning. It's not safe for skin. We can get you a washcloth. What's that in your mouth? It was a while before anybody got to me. <laughs> I ended up listening to a podcast and knitting several inches of a sweater before the doctor showed up. So overall, not the worst date I've been on, <laughs> despite the five injections. <laughs> That's right, five injections in three out of the four major limbs. I had to wear a hospital gown and everything, making it an inordinately high number of strangers for whom I had gotten naked that week. <laughs> on the fourth injection, the nurse ominously said, make sure to take something for the pain. Is it going to hurt? I asked. I don't know, she replied. <laughs> Listen, this is a hospital. Do y'all not have a couple spare pills rattling around in a junk drawer somewhere? You're just gonna say some spooky shit and discharge me? <laughs> While I was waiting for the pain to kick in, she explained I'd need to call the Center for Infectious Diseases in the morning to make the necessary subsequent appointments. The rabies vaccine is four visits total, you see, over two weeks. Greg was supposed to go home in one week. So now he had to explain to his manager why he needed to stay in Colorado another seven days. And he had to explain to his parents why he wasn't going to make it home for his dad's birthday. At work the next day, I told one of my coworkers because I knew he'd appreciate the absurdity of it, and he had an endless supply of riffs. The one with the most staying power is that Greg planted the bat using rabies to break down my walls and get to my heart. <laughs> I joked that my heart had calcified, that I'd need a transplant for that to work, not something so trivial as a rabies scare. Over the next two weeks, we would dutifully go to our back-to-back -back rabies appointments at the Infectious Disease Center, his at 9, mine at 9.30, and we'd roll into work with a fresh Band-Aid and inactivated rabies coursing through our veins. We hung out a handful of times more, including one somewhat more traditional date. He told me he wanted us to be something, and then he left for California a few hours after our final injection. <laughs> Over the weeks following our full recovery, there were some changes at work, including a couple people hearing about our rabies stories independently and putting two and two together, but more importantly, <laughs> a reorganization. And it suddenly made sense for Greg to transfer to the Boulder office and move here. As of three days ago, he is officially a Colorado transplant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop that. <laughs> I didn't help him unpack, but I have a sneaking suspicion he didn't throw his memories of me into the sea before loading up the U-Haul, and I'm not sure what to do with that. Do I call animal control, or was that just for the other thing? <laughs> Thank you. The Narrators is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, and Scott Carney. Karen edited this episode. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whale Hawk, and we'd also like to thank Fee, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. If you're in Denver, join us for one of our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theatre in Denver, Colorado. You can subscribe to this podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review if you can. It helps other people find our stories. 
For more information about today's storyteller or the narrators, check the show notes for this episode or visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>